Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. In this episode, you're going to hear me refer to my book on discipleship. It has been republished and can now be found under the title, Come and See, The Jesus Approach to Equipping Biblical Disciples. We are talking in this series all about discipleship. Now, if you have not gotten my book on discipleship, it's called Discipleship from Information to Execution. I invite you to order a copy of that. You can go to my website. You can go to Amazon. Don't just get the book. Get the study guide. It'll help you take the concepts, personalize it so that you can really have an understanding of what discipleship looks like and what it looks like for you personally. Now, Today, we are going to be talking about the biblical model. What do we see in the Bible as far as a model of discipleship? Now, we know uh, there's nothing set in stone that everything comes back to. What is Jesus telling me? That relational aspect that we get to have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But in general, there are patterns or things that we can learn through the scriptures. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let's start with uh, what we see first. Um, and we're going to start in Mark chapter 3. Now, I I shared a lot of this in episode 4. We talked about um, when Jesus followed, at, called his disciples to follow them. We tore apart the whole idea of what it means to follow me, uh, what it means to make disciples. The idea of accompanying, being in the same way with, and assisting is the idea of following me. So that is kind of the first step in the biblical model that we see in Mark chapter 3, the call to follow, where Jesus goes out and says, look, I want to invite you to follow me, to be in the same way with me, to assist me and to accompany me. So you and I, um, as potential mentors, we have to be living a life where there is an invitation for people to come and follow us, and also where we're where we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and uh, we hear the call to go to somebody and say, look, I want to open up my life to you. I want to give you the opportunity to come and be with me. Um, remember, we talked about the take them with you idea of being the same way with me. Um, and so I really want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because if you, and we know you are, if you, if we, if I am called, invited to disciple people, which is what the Great Commission is, then I know that God is going to put those people around me. And so it's on you and I to keep our eyes open and to really be watching who are the people that God is crossing in my path that I am called to invite to follow me and be a part of my life, to come alongside me and do life with me. So that's step one, if there's a step, is follow me. In Mark chapter 4, I call it the information stage. So Mark chapter 3, we see the follow me. In Mark chapter 4, I talk about the information stage. Now, this is a part of discipleship that we are really good at. We're really good at giving information. We're great at doing Bible studies. We're great at uh, uh, teaching and, and watching YouTubes and gaining information. And that's a very, uh, very crucial part of discipleship. In Mark chapter 4, 1 and 2... It says, and again, he, meaning Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. 
Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them, said to them in his teaching, and it goes on and talks about what he taught them. But the point here is uh, giving information is a huge part of the picture. It's a huge part of the picture of discipleship. It is not the complete picture of discipleship. So we do want to understand that giving information is important. We also want to learn from this that the way Jesus gave information was very relevant. And this is something I think that we could work on a little bit. Sometimes when we're working with people in the resident pro in our residential program or when I'm working with clients, a lot of times they're like, well, I went to church, but I didn't understand what was being said or none of that stuff is even relevant to me. When we hear Jesus teaching, giving information through parables, what we learn through this is that Jesus is giving information in a way that is relevant to the hearer. Meaning I have all these kingdom principles I want to share with you, but I need to put it in a frame of reference in which it will be relevant to you and in which you can understand it and you can grasp it. That's what a parable was. He would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like, and he would give them a frame of reference that they could understand. And then he would make it relevant by telling stories. That's the whole idea of wisdom. So if all we're doing is giving knowledge or information about scriptures, but we're never connecting it and making it relevant to where our disciple is at, our disciple is going to check out. They are not going to understand why do I need this in my life? We can very, a lot of times we, we teach people salvation, but then we don't spend time teaching them and giving information and giving them stories based on why is Jesus relevant today to you? He is more than just my ticket to heaven. He is my ticket to freedom in the way I think. He is my ticket to freedom in the way that I feel. He is my ticket to freedom in the way that I interact in my relationships. And we have got to give information in a way that is relevant. This is such a passionate spot for me because I teach and preach all over the United States and I I, it is important that I gain an understanding of what is going on in the heart of my audience and how can I present this kingdom information in a way that is relevant to the hearer. I want it to be relevant. I want it to, uh, I don't want to just talk about things that are way up here um, that don't connect with the challenges they're having in their marriage or the challenges that they're having with their children or the challenges that they're having in their finances or with their boss. We want to take kingdom information and make it relevant to the hearer. And we see Jesus doing this. So first we see, follow me. Second, we see the information stage, but not just information, information that is um, delivered in a way that is relevant to the hearer. That is super important. Mark chapter five. So we talked about Mark chapter three. We've talked about Mark chapter four. Now we're going into Mark chapter five. Now I love this. So Mark chapter three, Jesus says, come and follow me. Mark chapter four, he says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's his classroom time of teaching, giving information to the, to the disciples and to the audience and to the multitude. Then in Mark chapter five, he says, okay, it's time for a demonstration. And so he immediately, Mark chapter five starts with the deliverance of the legion of demons. 
Uh, it's the chapter where the woman with the issue of blood is healed, and it's also the chapter where Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. So what we see in one chapter is everything that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4 is now being demonstrated in Mark chapter 5. He demonstrates deliverance. He demonstrates healing. He de demonstrates resurrection, restoration, the blessings, the fullness of the kingdom rushing back into somebody's life. So he basically says, I've given you all this information that is relevant, but now let me demonstrate what it looks like. This is so important. I've been talking about this through this entire series, that discipleship must include demonstration where we can see what does this look like? What does it look like for kingdom principles to be brought into reality and delivered into the natural, into the here and now? So in Mark chapter 5, we see we get to see the demonstration. Now, I want to side note here, and I want to talk about, and I've talked, uh, I mentioned this in one of the previous episodes. I want to talk about the see one, do one, teach one that we see throughout our entire culture. Attorneys, education, health, health, uh, the health field. That is how they teach and train nurses, for example. Uh, they, they see it done. Uh, they get to do it and they know when they have mastered it, when they can teach it. So we see the see one, do one, teach one. So we have follow me, give you information. That's the classroom time. So if I am um, a nurse, I'm going through nursing school, there's going to be that classroom time where I'm sitting, I'm reading the manual, I'm getting information. And then I'm going to have my lab where I get to see somebody doing whatever it is they're doing. Maybe it's taking, taking blood, putting in an IV, whatever it is. Then they're going to watch me do it. And then they're going to say, when you can teach this, that's when we know you have mastered the skill. So we see this process throughout the scriptures. Jesus has his classroom time in Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 5, he has his demonstration where the disciples get to see it. And then in Mark chapter 4, or Mark chapter 6, he activates it. Uh, it's a time where he gets to say, he lays hands on the disciples and he says, now I'll go and do it. Okay, so we're walking through this entire process. Again, if this was a biblical model, I'm taking a look at Mark chapter 5, the demonstration where you get to see it. Remember John 1, 4 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We got to see kingdom realities through Jesus and the way that he lived his life, but we also got to see it through the demonstrations, what it looks like to minister that. So we got to see what it looks like, but we also got to see what it looks like to minister those realities. We think about, uh, when we think about when we're role, well, maybe you don't role play with your children. When I'm doing parent training, when I'm working with parents, I always tell them, look, I want you to do some role play with your kiddos. Don't just tell them how not to behave. And also don't just tell them how to behave. Demonstrate for them what that would look like. Um, especially when you're dealing with small children. So you might say, mommy's going to show you what it looks like to clear your table off with a cheerful countenance. I'm going to not just tell you, but I'm going to actually demonstrate. I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to let you see what it looks like. And then I'm going to come alongside you while you do it. And I'm going to walk with you through doing that. Okay, so now we're looking at that model uh, that Jesus has. He says, look at, I'm going to demonstrate for you all this information. 
and now I'm going to lay hands on you and I want you to go and do it. So there's this, there's this progression over and over and over again. Um, when my husband was a basketball coach, they would watch game tapes and they would watch different plays and he would draw things up. Um, but the next step was actually going out and doing it. So he could teach them on paper a play. He could give them information. They could watch the play by watching game tapes. But at some point, they had to step onto the court and they had to practice it so that when they were in the game, it would become automatic. So we're shifting now to Mark chapter 3 where we're activating all of that information, all that we've seen, and we're putting it into action by practicing it. Jesus does this with his disciples. He says, okay, in Mark chapter 3, I've invited you to follow me. In Mark chapter 4, I've given you information. In Mark chapter 5, I've demonstrated what that looks like. In Mark chapter 6, I'm, I want you to go now and activate all this information by actually doing it. Then we see in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples now step into the role of the disciples and they are teaching and they are training and they are, they are demonstrating, they are releasing, they are ministering, they are teaching it. We know they have mastered the gospel because they're no longer just, um, just watching it, but they're now turning around and they're teaching it to others. Other people are coming up underneath of them and they are being discipled by the disciples. This is so important and that this is how we start that multiplication process. This should be a part of your goal as you are discipling people. There will always be somebody under somebody younger than them, somebody who is uh, less spiritually mature, not as uh, maybe as mature in the spirit, not as their understanding of scriptures. Uh, and so we should be encouraging our disciples to constantly be discipling others because the more they disciple, the more they will begin to master those skills. So we see this cyclical process that should be happening that was happening in the scriptures. In my book, I read on, uh, on page 62, but Peter from Acts chapter two, Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Look, we don't just see the multiplication of converts. We don't just see evangelism here. But notice they continued steadfastly in all the apostles were doing. So there was an invitation for them to come in and to begin to do what we are doing. So I'm summing up this model here by saying we see this in Acts chapter 2. All of these years that they spent with Jesus, Jesus discipling them, now began, became the process by which they brought other people into the kingdom. They didn't just minister salvation to them. They weren't just making converts. They were making disciples. I write in here, I think... 
given the next portions of scripture, it is fair to assume that they brought these converts in to be a part of their daily living for the purpose of discipling them and raising up more disciples. So they brought them in and said, come and see what we, what we're doing. Come and do what we are doing. Let us teach you how to teach what we are doing. We're going to do more than just give you information. We're going to invite you to come with us. We want you to follow us. We want you to be in the same way with us. We want you to accompany us. We want you to assist us. We see this process throughout the scriptures of this continuum of not just making converts, but making disciples among the nations. This is what we see in the scriptures over and over and over again. The invitation to follow me, let me give you information, but let me live a life of demonstration so you can see what it looks like. Then I'm going to give you opportunities. Remember that one-two punch. I'm going to give you opportunities where you can go and do it, and then I want you to be able to teach it. We must be teaching, doing discipleship, following this model in discipleship. But let's Let's connect all of this to discipling your own soul. Just for fun, this, this isn't really even a part of my notes, but I'm thinking about all of these steps and practicing our own identity and how we have to go past just the declarations and just the information and we have to be the promise, act out on the pro promise, act on the promise. Uh, for those of you who have not done my mental emotional first aid series, I would highly recommend that you do that. Uh, my enforcing prayer book is coming out. If the whole idea is how do I begin to activate knowledge in my life by not just knowing it, not just declaring it, but I'm going to begin to put it into action. I'm going to begin to act like it, faith it until I become it, and I'm going to activate those things. We, in some regard, we have to learn to be able to do the one-two punch with yourself, like connect with my soul. Remember we talked about the one-two punch. I'm going to connect with my disciple for the purpose of calling them up to the next level. I want to connect with my soul and saying, okay, soul, I see you're struggling with depression. I see you're struggling with anxiety, but I'm going to pull you up into the peace of God. I'm going to pull you up into the joy of God, pulling my soul, giving the one-two punch to my soul, discipling my own soul and saying, I want to connect with you. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not feeling anxiety when I, when I am, but I'm going to connect in that place for the purpose of discipling my own soul into the truths of the scripture, into the fullness of the gospel, into the point where I can then, therefore, turn around and teach that same deliverance. What we have found in our line of work is one of the best people to work with some of our recovering drug addicts are people who are recovered drug addicts. Some of the best people to work with people who struggle with depression, anxiety, panic, anxiety attacks are people who have struggled with depression and have been delivered from depression, anxiety, panic, anxiety attacks. Some of the best people to work with, people who struggle with pornography are the ones who have been delivered from pornography. Look, we've got to learn how to disciple our own soul. You're going to get me going down a path because this is part of why the enforcing you part is so important. Enforcing who you are designed to be, learning how to disciple your own soul will organically teach you how to disciple other people. This is why it's so important that you watch that mental emotional first aid. It's so important that you watch some of those mirror talks where I demonstrate what it looks like 
to really minister to my own mind, minister to my own emotions so that I can be walking in my fullness and therefore then turn around and teach, train, and disciple those around us. This is hugely important in discipling others. Okay, you guys, that wraps up today's episode. We're going to be talking in the next episode on what it looks like to be a disciple or to, to be a mentor, to be a Paul, uh, what it looks like to be a Paul and what is our goal uh, with those we are mentoring. Then we're going to have some guests on. We're going to be talking uh, with a youth pastor who happens to be my son. Um, and we're going to be talking with um, a gal that I have discipled for years and now she is discipling others. So we're going to get to see that process in play. So that wraps up today. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.